Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at bluenile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, everyone. Welcome to The Road to Know Her. This is a new podcast aimed to educate, inform, and empower women to take control of our health. I'm Alex. And I'm Emmy. And we're trying to fill in the gaps of knowledge when it comes to our bodies and well-being. So let's jump in. Hiya, Emmy. Hiya. How's it going? It's all good. It's all good. It's been a busy week. It has. It's been a busy week talking about vaginas and vulvas. I know. I'm so embarrassed that we've only just learned the difference. I know. So we originally titled this episode Vaginas until we actually found out what a vagina is. And we meant to call it vulvas. Yeah. So we now change it to vulvas. <laughs> also, it's so ironic. I literally got a UTI just after this episode oh god that's so annoying well hopefully next time you can next prevent time. it with some of the tips from this episode yeah. <laughs> so what has your relationship been like with your vulva it's getting better since the episode i still oh. feel like i know this is ridiculous but i still feel uncomfortable like the idea of sat in front of a mirror being like hey vulva i immediately <laughs> think it's like dirty or sexual or something if i were to sit in front of a mirror yeah. with my legs open touching my vulva <laughs> I find it really hard to think of that as just a generic health procedure. That is, no, I feel like I'm being really naughty. I know, I know. <laughs> but it is so good to just get to know it. And I think she talks about it in such a literal way, like a medical way, but also a really empowering way that it takes away that like fear and panic around the whole idea of vulvas and vaginas. Even the words still, I'm like, who? Exactly. And I think the more we talk about it and hopefully the more we see vulvas, I just think it's so, I think it's so important because it needs to be more normalized and we don't ever see pictures of vulvas. And I've never actually been, but the Vagina Museum in London is meant to be excellent yes. because you can see this sort of diversity of vulvas and vaginas and it will just make you feel so much better because everyone's only, well, pretty much, only seen it from porn right yeah I was just about to say that I was like where are you going to get all of these vaginas all laid out and then I was like yeah go to that museum yeah that's such a good idea and there's also a book uh which we can link as well which has lots of different photos of vulvas and I think the main thing that we just want to say in this episode is that you whatever you look like you are completely normal down there yeah unless you're not normal and you should get it checked out (laughs) (laughs) if you've got green discharge yeah you need to sort that out (laughs) But I do, the most important and pivotal moment in terms of vulvas for me, I went on holiday with friends and we were all laying by the pool chatting about vaginas and vulvas and just how everyone's is so different. And I think we were all talking about our insecurities with our own as well. And I can't remember who suggested it, but one of us was like, right, 
we're just going to look at each other's. We're just going to do it because oh my God. we're actually being stupid right now. So we all laid, we all lined up on the side of the pool with our legs dangling in the water, took off our pants, opened our legs, and we took it in turns for one person to get in the pool and swim past. Oh my God, that is literally giving me anxiety. <laughs> that is literally giving me so much anxiety. Honestly, it was fascinating because we all got a real look at each other's vulvas. And obviously we weren't like super close. <laughs> in proximity and it was a private pool it was not a resort (laughs) but it was the most useful thing because uh, there wasn't a single one that looked the same one of them had like a little bit bigger labia majoris so the outside lips look at you one friend actually doesn't have a labia majoris really which can happen yeah she just has one set of lips whoa and it just all our vaginas and vulvas looked completely different and honestly i know that you're cringing right now i'm literally (laughs) dying this is i I love the idea of like someone coming into the house i don't know like a gardener or something and just seeing someone swimming past these girls (laughs) with their legs spread i have to say that did actually happen a lot that holiday so we were naked like 99 percent of the time we just sunbathed (laughs) naked we just wandered around naked and there was like a gardener a pool person always popping around we're like hello and then we're like okay we need to actually put clothes on because this is too much of a risk (laughs) i love it no surprise they were always going around like i think you've been to that house like six times this week i really think the garden's fine like there is no garden left you have known all the lord oh well shall we introduce the episode yeah let's go for it cool so i absolutely loved recording today's episode I have to say, apart from knowing that we have three holes, which I feel like is a good amount of knowledge in itself, because so many people don't know that, but my knowledge about my down there is pretty limited. But our guest today has changed all of that. Dr. Aziz Sasei is an NHS GP and GP educator, and crucially, an absolute expert when it comes to all things vaginas and vulvas. Her passion for health education, advocacy, and women's empowerment is clear. And I really recommend checking out her Instagram and her YouTube channel, Talks with Dr. Sessi, where she shares short, informative videos about women's health. One thing I really loved about the chat with Dr. Sessi is her emphasis on trusting your gut. She spoke about knowing your normal and making sure that you advocate for yourself with your GP if something doesn't feel right. We talked all things female hygiene, the impact of tight clothings on other JJs, discharge and hypersexualization of women and much more. And just one small trigger warning, there is a mention about sexual abuse in this episode. Okay, let's go. We're so excited to record this episode, so thank you so much for joining us. Of course, um, well done on both of you guys tackling this topic as well, because it is riddled with taboo and stigma and shame and embarrassment, so kudos to you. Yeah. Thank you. And how, when we talk about that taboo and everything, how did you get into this subject and how did this become your specialism? Yeah, that's such an interesting question because with regards to my public health awareness, that kind of came all of a sudden. Like, this wasn't necessarily planned. I've always been passionate about public health awareness and patient education. And um, in the pandemic, there were just so many WhatsApp misinformation messages that was spreading all the way around. And I've had family members contacting me about all these weird and special concoctions that would help them. And I just thought, you know what, the basic knowledge isn't there. So I started uh, giving Zoom talks on general health conditions and so on. But I've always, always had a passion about women's and gynecological health. And it's actually my specialist interest 
GP. Um, and yeah, because that's something that I'm interested in. I'm also, I have the specialized, sorry, the specialization in as well. Um, it meant that it kind of went from there. So I was doing the Zoom talks and then I got pregnant and the Zoom talks weren't possible anymore because I just, you know, you can't really do a Zoom talk when you're vomiting. So, and yeah, a little bit. Uh, so instead, I started making little reels, all those videos. And yeah, it, it, it took over from there. When you suddenly had a girl, did it make you even more it's sort of passionate about delivering the sort of education and advocacy and everything? absolutely and i practice what i preach she says vulva she says penises you know oh, we she... use the correct anatomical names yeah so she yeah. knows that her brother has a penis and she has a vulva and when he can speak because he's still he's just two he doesn't know how to say certain words yet i'll teach him to use penis again because it's not they're not dirty words they're, they're anatomical words <laughs> so, i'm so impressed yeah. i think i was probably about like 17 when i actually started using the real words maybe even yeah. later <laughs> Yeah, yeah. No, listen, that's that's actually good because you have 40, 50 year olds who yeah. didn't even know that vulva was a word. Everyone thinks it's a vagina. But yeah, totally. <laughs> I always remember um, we used to laugh so much about the word vulva when we were at school. And once mm. I was reading to my friends, we, we used to do Twilight reading sessions. This is so nerdy. But when Twilight came out <laughs> and everybody loved it. And once I was trying to read the line, Edward leaned against his shiny Volvo. And I accidentally read out loud, Edward leaned against his shiny Volvo. <laughs> and I have never lived it down. Even now I'm 30, and that was 15 years ago. We still laugh about Edward's shiny silver Volvo. <laughs> That's amazing. Volvo's so on the mind. Yeah, always about Volvo's. <laughs> when you were saying about teaching your daughter the actual words, like getting her to say vulva and penis, it's yeah. so crazy that we just haven't done that our whole life. So it's amazing yeah. that you're doing all this work on social media to actually educate people and have those conversations. Thank you so much. It's interesting because I have had people look at me in shock when my daughter uses the, the word vulva, like, oh my God, why, are you, why have you taught her that word? Can't you tell her to say something? I'm like, tell her to say flower or hydrocard yeah. or something. And I'm like, no. Uh, and, and you know, it's not even just about knowing the correct anatomical name, just so that if, for instance, if you were go to go and see your GP, they assess the right area. Because if you say that you're having vaginal pain when actually it's on your vulva and your vagina is examined and there's, you know, the vulva is missed, those are things that then mean that you continue to suffer in silence or you just, the issue isn't sorted essentially, right? Um, so it's, it's not just also that. Using the correct terminology means that, you know, and this, I, I always say this with a trigger warning. If someone is being sexually assaulted or, or abused, then the person can correctly or the child can correctly say that he was touching my vulva. You know, there are stories that I've heard where they use words like cookie or flower. And this girl was telling her mom, you know, uncle keeps touching my flower or my cookie keeps touching my cookie. And, you know, her mom had no idea she meant vulva because she used the wrong word. So it's not just about the fact that it is, a, a, you know, a, an anatomical word. Uh, and it's also about knowing where exactly you're having the issues. But so that those sort of confusions are completely just non-existent anymore. Yeah, that that's so important. That's a point that I'd never really thought of before.
there's also just raise awareness about so many things that everyone isn't aware of. Like your vagina is not your vulva, you know? Your vulva is a whole separate organ of itself. <laughs> I can't wait to ask more about that because I don't think I, I used the terminology correctly until I started watching your videos. And then I was like, okay, wow, I, I don't know this terminology at all. I have definitely been using them interchangeably and thinking vagina means your hole down below. So mm-hmm. what are, what's the correct terminology? What does, it, what does vagina actually mean? Yeah. Okay. Very good question. And uh, Karen Hobbs, who works for Eva Peel, she always says this and I love it. So I'm going to steal her line. Um, vagina has the word in, in it. Sorry, the letters I-N. So in, vagina, in. So vagina is part of your internal gynecological anatomy. It is a muscular canal um, that basically that's where things go in. <laughs> and also things like beautiful babies come out as well. So it basically connects the outside to the womb, essentially. Uh, and that's the vagina. The vulva is everything on the external aspect, the external genital, gen, sorry, genitalia, or the external gynecological anatomy is the vulva. So I always have my, my favorite plushie. Uh, and it has different parts. So yes, this is the whole vulva, but you also have uh, the the cushioning bit that's at the top, the mons pubis, usually there's hair there. And then the outer labia, which also has hair, and it's also quite fleshy. Then you have the thinner inner labia, um, and then you have the vestibule, which basically houses your urethral opening. So your urethra is a tube that connects the bladder to the outside. So your urethral opening is housed in the vestibule as well as the vaginal opening. So the vaginal opening is on the outside. And some people, you can see just a teeny little bit of their vagina, but usually on the outside, all you see is a vaginal opening. And then um, above the urethral opening, you would have the clitoris. So the clitoris is the most sensitive part. Like uh, we only found out last year that there's over 10,000 nerve endings. So it's the pleasure center. Oh, it's pretty amazing. <laughs> uh, wow. It's the it's a pleasure center and that's on the outside, but um, only 10% you can see on the outside of the whole complex. Actually, it's been studied and it's it's huge. There's a lot of it on the inside as well. And covering the, sorry, the clitoris is the clitoral hood. Um, and then if we move all the way downwards, we have the perineum, which basically connects the vaginal opening um, to the anus. It doesn't connect it, but it leads towards that region. That's the vulva. This is fascinating. Also, I love the word vegetable. It sounds so posh. I'm going to start calling it my vegetable. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. 
Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. It's so good to know because I've never really spent that much time looking at my vulva and understanding all those different areas. Is that something you really promote the people to get to know their vulvas more? What kind of things should we be looking at when we when we look at our vulva? Absolutely. Yes. Look at your vulva. There's no shame. And I think there's just so much hypersexualization when it's anything women's body. So you can't even show nipples on social media or anywhere really because it's on a woman's body, right? You can see male, male nipples, but female nipples, no, no way. Oh my God. Um, and it's the same with vulval checks. So a lot of us weren't necessarily, I certainly wasn't t- taught to look at the vulva. And it often, you know, you associate that with, with sex or, or shame. Um, but we need to know, we need to get to know all of our bodies. So I'm, I'm always asking everybody to do their self checks at least once a month. So that's checking your skin, your nails, your mouth, your breasts, your vo- or chests as well, um, and then your vulva. And when you're looking at your vulva, what you want to examine is what's normal for you? What does it look like for you? Because the other thing is what we're exposed to, either on social media, porn, um, even in medical textbooks, they always look similar. They're like perfectly symmetrical, hairless, and often, you know, peach in complexion. You don't really see brown or um, different ethnicity vulvas. And also, it always looks a certain way. So if you're looking at that book, you then, if you do examine yourself, you think, is there something wrong with me? Mine doesn't look like that. But the importance is no two vulvas are the same. There are so many, there's like a plethora of different looks to vulvas. And there's a book, so I helped someone called Jo Coral. She runs a page called This is a Vulva. And um, I helped her edit this book called This is the Vulva. And she managed to get 50 different people um, showcasing their vulvas in the book, like real life vulvas. And it's such a great illustration. It just shows you that actually they all look so different. I mean, you have all the parts, but they look different. And when you're examining your vulva, I always say what's most important is you want to look first, look all over. Oh, before you start, always wash your hands. Okay. Make sure your hands are clean, right? Get a small handheld mirror. Um, and if you want, you can use a flashlight or if it's a well-lit room, you're absolutely fine. Sit down and get comfortable, you know, spread your legs apart or some people squat or some people have one leg perched up against something and then they put the mirror in between their legs. But just in a position that's most comfortable for you so you can see everything. And then have your legs spread. Look, look everywhere. Look at the different parts that I've just told you about. Look at your um, mons pubis, so the top. Look at the skin surrounding the outer labia. Look at the inner labia. Look at the vestibule, your favorite word. You know, look at the openings. Look at your clitoris. Look um, in between the skin, the perineum as well. So you wanna look to see if there's any redness, any thickening, any scarring any moles. So if you've had a mole before um, and that's normal for you, that's fine. But if it's a new mole, then that's something that you probably need to get checked out just in case. Um, If it's an older mole, but you notice that it's changed, it's become darker or it's bleeding or it's changed in sensation, it's itchy. Again, that's something that you might need to get checked out. 
So after you've looked all around the area, um, then you feel, and just use your fingers, use the tips of your fingers, they're very, very sensitive. Um, and you want to just feel all around the area, um, feel if there are any lumps or bumps, are there any areas that are painful or more sore? Um, are there areas that are, I don't know, more stretchy or more thickened? That kind of thing. You wanna feel all around from the outside to the inside. Uh, and sorry, when you were looking, I always say spread the lips of the labia with your two fingers so you can really have a good look and feel. Um, and then if there's anything that you're concerned about, you're not sure about, please see your doctor um, so that we can check it out. Majority of the times, it's nothing sinister, but very, very rarely it can be something more sinister. Obviously, the thing that we're most concerned about is cancer. It's quite rare. In the UK, I think they're about 1,400 new cases of vulval cancer a year. So it's not that common. Um, and it's, I think, the fourth most common of the gynecological cancers. So you have five main gynecological cancer. The vulval one is the fourth most common. And if it's that, and it's picked up early, so when you do these checks, you're more likely to pick things up, right? Um, even if it's the tiniest thing. So if it is cancer and it's picked up early, it's more likely to be curative and the treatment's more likely to be um, successful and less invasive as well. And will things like that be picked up on your smear test or is that a completely separate test? So that's a really good question. Um, usually when the nurse is doing the smear test or clinician is doing the smear test, uh, it is an opportunity for them to look around the vulva, but they wouldn't be extensively looking at the vulva. It's like a quick you know, glance and then pop the speculum in in order to visualize the cervix. But if it's, and this is why, again, I always encourage everyone, please, please, please attend your cervical screening when you're due or if you've been invited, please, please, please. It's an opportunity to have these conversations, you know? Oh, I think I might've seen something on my vulva. Can you please just have a look for me? Can you examine it? And again, if you explicitly say, then it, much more time will be taken to properly look at the vulva, but we wouldn't, you know, do an extensive examination in that moment unless you said so. But obviously, if, if something is noted as we're about to insert the speculum, then um, that can be assessed. This is such fantastic advice. I don't, I didn't even know that vulval cancer was a thing. So I'm already learning so much. As someone with a regular GP practice, what mm -hmm. are some of the things that you see come into your GP office? So are people worrying a lot about what their vaginas and vulvas look like? Um, or do you have a lot of common conditions such as thrush and things like that? Mm. What kind, what, what goes on down there basically? <laughs> That's such a good question. And to be honest, it's not necessarily about what it looks like. I haven't had that much on what it looks like. Um, it's more so on common symptoms like itching, irritation, and discharge, that kind of thing. So you mentioned common conditions. Like I see a lot of thrush. I see a lot of UTIs. Um, I see a lot of, uh, you know, patients who may have pain in the area or irritation, folliculitis from shaving, close shaves, that kind of thing. So those are the common complaints that I would get. And um, it's so interesting when you say that, you know, you've never heard of vulval cancer. I, again, this is why it's so important that we have these discussions because they're basic things like vaginal discharge. So a lot of, uh, I do have patients come to me concerned about their discharge. One, because 
they're not aware that actually through the menstrual cycle. So that's basically the first day of your period to the day before your next period. And we have that regularly. So throughout the menstrual cycle, because of the hormonal changes, our vaginal discharge changes through the cycle as well. And it's all about knowing what's normal for you and how your discharge changes um, through the course. So usually around ovulation time, the discharge is like egg white sort of consistency. Uh, it's a perfect consistency, ready to accept sperm <laughs> so that fertilization can happen, you know? Um, and it's just knowing how your body works. So I often have those conversations and then knowing what's abnormal. So, you know, if your vaginal discharge is changed, it's become brown or it's um, yellow or it's thicker or it smells foul or it's darker and that's not normal for you, majority of what I've just said is not routinely normal, then that's something that you should get checked out. I mean, some people just before their period, they might get like really light brownish discharge just before their period and that's normal for them. Or right after their period, just as their period is ending again, they might get a little bit of brown discharge. That's probably normal for them. But for someone else who's had periods for, I don't know, five, six years, and then all of a sudden they're getting these brown discharge, you know, uh, a few days or a week before their period, that needs to be checked out because that's different. So it's all about knowing your normal, understanding your body. And it sounds like it's all about self-awareness and education. And I think so much of this is missed in schools and just whenever we're taught about our bodies, because I feel like the menstrual cycle was very much scientific. So it was like, this is when the egg is released. And then what we learned about our vaginas was very much about sex and how not to get pregnant. And it's actually really interesting. It was only two weeks ago that I mean I had a cycle coach on the podcast to talk us through our uh, tracking our menstrual cycles and things like that and ever since then I've been keeping a closer eye on my body and what happens at different phases and today I was my discharge was different but I didn't I wasn't scared about it because I was like oh right I'm ovulating that this is today and just knowing your body and knowing what to expect is so much more comforting and as you say it's the awareness then point it out when something's not right and I think yeah. it's just so important. I can't believe we've missed all of this in our entire education. Yeah, absolutely. And what's frustrating is it's it feels like it's just going to continue. Um, I'm hoping that things change. But when you have censorship happening on social media platforms, so I, I get really passionate about this and I'm really frustrated about it as well. You know, you're trying to raise awareness about vaginas and just general sexual education, sexual health education and menstrual cycles and all of that and periods. But then you have words like vulva, vagina, clitoris, periods. These words are being censored. You know, as soon as I use any of these words and I spell them out correctly, the algorithm thinks that I'm releasing inappropriate pornographic content what? and it gets, it gets shadow banned. Yes, it reduces the visibility. The hashtag vaginal cancer, hashtag vaginal cancer was censored. Like Instagram literally wrote, um, this hashtag has been hidden because it violates community guidelines. So, you know, these are the issues that we're having. But I guess there are more and more of us who are speaking up about it. And uh, hopefully this is going to be a thing of the past. These conversations are done. Mm. <laughs> it will be more along the lines of, can you believe they used to do that? And the irony um, is the amount of words and things that are shown on the internet and on porn websites and things like that. And we're still not able to say vulva and vagina, but there's so much worse out there. So it's definitely females who are being censored specifically. 
Mm-hmm. It's, it's, yeah, it's insane. And then re- sort of relating to porn, I want to ask you about cleaning and washing and everything, Ooh. because I feel yeah. like along with hair removal, porn has given a very different standard for what a vulva looks like and mm-hmm. how it should be. And I think everyone's quite self-conscious, especially growing mm-hmm. up. You know, mm-hmm. we had people would call um girls they they would say they've got fishy vaginas and they don't wash and all these things and there's so much negative stigma around it so I just want to ask you about that and what you think about feminine hygiene products I hate that word (laughs) I hate that phrase (laughs) feminine hygiene product um you hear different podcasts and people have said oh have you ever heard of male hygiene products or anything male hygiene when it comes to that region it's like oh the the smellier it is the more rugged he is or whatever so true but, they definitely wouldn't but, smell like roses and flowers no absolutely no no vulvas and vagina need to smell like roses no they need to smell like vulvas and vaginas they need to have the natural earthy odor um odor sorry and i just hope that that narrative changes because that is riddled with the patriarchy and um i obviously as you just heard Feminine hygiene just needs to go. It's not about hygiene. It doesn't mean that you're unclean. The area, the vulva actually, um, only needs to be cleaned with water. You don't have to use soap, okay? So there's so many different products out there which actually can disrupt your natural balance. So your, your vagina, which is on the inside, has good bacteria in it. And this good bacteria helps to create an environment that makes it really, really hard for bad fungus, bad bacteria, and all of these things to thrive, okay? And this good bacteria, because of their existence, they make the pH of the vulva, sorry, vagina, uh, more acidic. And again, that makes the environment bad for any of those horrible organisms, essentially. So it's self-cleaning, right? Your, your vagina doesn't need anything to clean it. It cleans itself. You don't need to put any douching, any water, any perfumes, any anything. If you see any products that say uh, you can clean the vagina with this and put it inside, know that that's wrong for you because it will disrupt the natural balance, which then can uh, cause infections, inflammation, inflammation, uh, irritation, and then it gets rid of the good bacteria and makes the bad bacteria and the fungus thrive, which then causes thrush and bacterial vaginosis and so on. So you don't need any of that. Um, if you want to put water, put water on the outside. If you really must use soap on the outside, make sure it's mild and it's unscented. Um, and it's not one that irritates the, the, the vulval skin because the vulval skin is quite, it's sensitive, it's thin and, you don't want to put something that's harsh on it, which then would cause irritation. And again, if you think about it, if, you know, those aspects, those chemicals sit around the outside and track their way into the vagina, we're putting chemicals into our system. The vagina mm-hmm. has a very good blood supply and, you know, those sort of things can then make its way to the womb and, you know, the, the fallopian tubes and the ovaries and the in, inner aspects. So we need to be very, very careful what we're putting uh, inside of us. So, yeah, in short, vagina self-cleaning, vulva, you don't need to use anything extraordinary. And vulvas and vaginas need to smell like vulva and the vaginas. <laughs> not I love flowers it. Or, totally yeah. agree. Also, it makes me just appreciate vaginas and vulvas that they can self-clean that that's amazing 
yeah well the vagina not the vulva the vagina the vagina it's not like a big tongue that comes out but in a similar vein should we be worried about fragrance loo roll and fragrance pads and things like that because it is my bugbear that whenever we go for our weekly shop to Audi it doesn't matter what loo roll we buy it's always fragrance when we get it back yeah so should we be worried annoying yeah it's so annoying. You get home and you're like, oh, no. And I, I think it was only, yeah, towards the end of last year that I noticed the fragrance Luro. I was like, where, how has this even happened? Uh, and it, it does. It can cause irritation to the vulva, particularly if you have sensitive skin, because that's a chemical. The, whatever they use as perfume is a chemical. You don't need any of those. I hate the fragrance um, period products as well. I hate all of those. I feel like that aspect that fragrance the perfume that they're using those chemicals aren't good for our skin uh, and again increases the risk of infections and irritation and inflammation um, occurring so please steer clear of those if you can um, but yeah like you say it's annoying you get home and you're like ah oh, <laughs> it's fragrant coconut and mango again I'm like great just what coconut I wanted my bum to smell like <laughs> god oh god yeah. And on that sort of the gap between male and female and how Mm -hmm. our bodies are seen, I feel like there's a real gap at the moment with pain. And Mm. I think with when it comes to Mm. vaginas, there's just this association that that you're going to have pain. Like it's, I feel like it's normalized to have painful sex, Mm. painful periods. Mm -hmm. Is that normal? Should we be having that or should we be going to our GP and talking about it? Yes to the second question and no to the very first bit no it's almost like being a woman automatically means that you you have the plight of going through pain for the whole of the duration of your existence which is not the case painful sex is not normal having pain in that area is not to be expected having very painful periods is not something that you should just get on with you're not a soldier for going through it um, and it doesn't mean that you're getting rid of more toxins or anything of that sort. You should never be in pain, okay? Pain is not normal. Please, please, please see a health professional. Get the support and help that you need and deserve, okay? There are so many potential underlying causes, and um, they can be ascertained through doing s- several different investigations and again there are treatment options out there okay so it doesn't mean that you know you're not a normal person because you go through pain you have painful sex and you know there's something wrong with you no there probably is something underlying that's causing these issues and again there is usually treatment that we can give to help but you shouldn't endure the pain long term no way and not just because you're a woman that needs to go in the bin. <laughs> it really does. I feel like it's just assumed that painful sex is like the pleasure. It's all for the pleasure of the man. And and, pe- and loads of my friends are like, yeah, I had really painful sex. And, you know, that just happens sometimes. And sometimes it's really great. But it's like we have to actually stop that. It's such a bad yeah. mentality to get into that we're not worthy enough to have unpainful lives. Yeah. If we repaint the whole thing and we say, actually take it easy, you know, use lube, listen to each other, talk to each other beforehand, stop and be confident to tell your partner, look, it's painful. Can we take a break? Can we change positions? Can we use more lube? 
so on and so forth, all these things, I think sex should be mutually enjoyable. And I know it's not just for the man and men, uh, or for the man, sorry, it's for both of you. And women are allowed to enjoy sex. There's nothing wrong with that. I think there's also that stigma of, oh, you know, if a woman enjoys sex, she's promiscuous or whatever. No, she's a human being. <laughs> you yes. know, that, that's why our clitoris has that many nerve endings. It was because we were supposed to enjoy sex too. I <laughs> love that. I'd love to finish up on the question about generally good care for your vulva area. So I'm talking about, have you got any tips about what we should and shouldn't be wearing? Because we've got the lowdown on sort of scented products and cleaning and all of that but in terms of tight clothing and the way that we shave and the way that we yeah we remove hair have you got any top tips of what we shouldn't be doing in order to just make sure we've got very happy vulvas yeah of course so my first top tip you've already mentioned tight fitting clothing so wearing tight fitting leggings or tight fitting underwear or wearing synthetic underwear um these sort of things increase the moisture that's being trapped in the area, which then is the best environment for bacteria and fungus to grow, which then increases the risk of bacterial vaginosis, thrush, and even UTIs. So um, the looser, the better, you know. Um, also, if, when you're choosing underwear, use underwear with natural fibers, so either made of cotton or even bamboo. So there's a, there's some evidence that show bamboo-made underwear or bamboo material underwear is really good um, because it it's breathable, it wafts moisture away, which makes it the best sort of environment to prevent, well, it can help to prevent, as I say, thrush, UTIs, and um, bacterial vaginosis. And, and also, if you want to remove hair, fine. If you don't want to remove hair, fine. You know, you don't have to be completely, you know, hairless in, in that area. Like you say, we see in porn and all that thing. It's, it's entirely your choice. Um, if you want to shave, we always say shave and wax in the direction of hair growth, because when you do it in the opposite direction, you increase the risk of um, getting folliculitis and uh, irritation of the skin in that area. Uh, and if you are going to moisturize the area, use non-scented, non- perfumed, um, moisturize, simple moisturizers, uh, always look at the chemicals. You want to avoid using those that have glycerin in, but you want to look, look at the, the chemicals that are in the moisturizers or even the lubes that you're using. Be careful with the lubes that you're using because some of them, again, have some sugary content. And if, if they have these nice tasting ones, and they might have parabens in it, which can irritate um, the vagina and the vulva um, area. Make sure that you're drinking plenty of water, you know, cut down on the fizzy and sugary drinks. Caffeinated drinks, again, can um, cause irritation, but which can lead to urinary tract infections. And also, when you're wiping, make sure that you wipe from front to back and not the other way. And the reason being is that the anus um, is very, very close to the urethral opening in women, like, and the urethra in the woman, which is the 
tube that carries um, urine, so pee from the bladder to the outside. It's only four centimeters short. So there's like really easy access. So if you have, you know, residual poo around the skin and you're wiping the other way and that gets to the urethra, that can easily travel upwards, which can cause urinary tract infections. Make sure that after you have sex, you pee immediately after, just to get rid of any of the the bits and bacteria that may have gone from one end to the other whilst you were having all those sexy activities. So that helps flush out the system. And then, yeah, just clean the area. You can clean the area with some water. Just Mm -hmm. going back to examining our vulvas, Mm -hmm. and I want to ask, how does it actually, how does your vulva's appearance change during your menstrual cycle? Does it change at all? Are there things that we should be aware of? Oh, that's a that's an interesting question. Nobody's asked me that. I'm mean, oh, sorry. So no, 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 no. So what I would say is that over the years, um, our vulval appearance can change, and that's particularly if you're going through menopause or being through menopause, and that's because of the estrogen um, component. So once we go through menopause, the estrogen level, our eggs stop producing estrogen. So that's one of the sex hormones um, that's released during the menstrual cycles completely drops. And estrogen helps to plump up the skin of the vulva. Well, all, all of our skin It's really great for our skin health. It plumps it up. It helps to, you know, um, lubricate the area and that kind of thing. So often um, menopausal women find that they're vulvas are thinner and sort of more friable and um, just not not as plump as they used to be. But that's where HRT can help um, using estrogen gel onto the area can make a difference or pessaries some people put inside just to help to make the skin just a little bit more plumper. I don't think it's significant enough during the menstrual cycle that I've not I've not really I've not thought about. So it's a really good question. I, I don't think I don't think so. Personally. Okay, great. That's good. <laughs> and really interesting about menopause as well. Mm, yeah, think about your actual vulva changing and looking different during that time. I've learned no so much. I'm really excited. I'm going to start checking my vulva every month. I'm actually getting <laughs> know. to know it more now. And I think about a whole body check is so important as well, because I think I've definitely learned to check my breasts, but yes. everything else I just totally ignore. So the exactly. whole checklist, I think, is such good advice. Yeah, just know yourself, know your body, love your body. It's yours. <laughs> yeah, it does amazing yeah. things for us. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, you guys are great. I can talk to you all day. Oh, it's <laughs> so lovely. <laughs> Don't go. I know. And thank you so much again for all the amazing work you're doing. As you, as we said, we hadn't really spoken about vulvas until we saw your social media clips and your YouTube channel as well. You're doing thank such you. incredible work. So to everyone listening, we persuade you to go and listen and watch all those videos because you'll learn so much. And we'll thank put all the you. links in our episode notes because it's such valuable content. So thank you so much. Thank you. And thanks for reaching out. Honestly, um, yeah, it always means a lot. And anything to get the information out there. <laughs> Fabulous. Yeah. Oh, thank thank you, you so much. So much. All right. Uh, you too. You both. Bye. Bye. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well 
HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm lip fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.